What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hindsightless, the sporadic podcast where I talk about life, role-playing games, or whatever else might be running around inside of my head. But mostly role-playing games, I promise. What's up, everybody? Yeah, so another episode. Uh, talk a little bit about the session two of the little mini campaign that I'm running. I will also talk a bit, just a bit, about Rise of the Rune Lords because some things happen, some things change. So catch you all up to speed. Then I promise I won't talk about it much, uh, but I'll still talk about it a little bit. And I also have some awesome call-ins. So it's it's a red letter episode. With that being said, let's dive into the call-ins. Let's dive into the call-ins. Let's dive into the call-ins and see who gave me a call. Yeah. Hey, Joe. It's Laren from Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. You know, if you have only driven a couple of times, but you've been in a bunch of car accidents... Perhaps the issue is the quality of driving people that you're riding with are doing. Maybe that says something about you liking people who are easily distracted or riding with people who are easily distracted. I don't know. Anyway, there's probably some deep meta analysis in there. Who knows? All I know is I drive like a granny and that is what I credit with my relatively good driving record (laughs) so when in doubt drive like an old grandmother all right i hope you're doing well and still loving your job talk to you soon bye (laughs) oh liren yes i am the common denominator there is no doubting that of all the accidents i've been in i'm the only one that's been in all of them so I I do I do think there is something to that for sure. Though I to my credit <laughs> to my credit I've never been involved in a car accident wherein there was hanky panky going on leading up to said accident. Anytime there's ever been hanky panky going on in a moving vehicle there has been no accident involved. So, yeah. Not that... It's not the easily distracted part. <laughs> if that's what you were hinting at. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, and I just have a filthy mind. I don't know. Could be both, could be neither. Anyway, thank you so much for the call-in. Thank you for pointing out the glaring, glaring fact that I am the common denominator in all the accidents I have been in. You are a thousand percent correct. I, that's what I say. I feel incredibly guilty every time. Every time I can't get by. I don't like talking to people while they drive sometimes because it makes me nervous. Um, even though lots of people call me when they drive because they know I'll be home. <laughs> anyway, dude. Thank you, Liren. You're amazing. Um, Yeah. Let me see who's next. Hey, Joe. Jason here. Just listen to season nine, episode one. I'm too lazy. I'm only ever going to have one season. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing your new game. Super jealous of the players in the game. And, yeah, can't wait to hear it unfold. Take care. 
dude thank you for the well wishes jason that's super kind man and yeah i i absolutely want to get back in a game with you again like i've said several times i do plan on starting up that west smarches campaign again for at least a few sessions just to kind of tidy things up but i definitely would like to get you in another pathfinder session maybe a little longer of a campaign so you can kind of get a real feel for it i also in that game i would also love to get john and hannah from the red dice diary podcast in it as well because on their i just listened to an older episode of rdd rpg that john had just posted to youtube and it was their Campfire Tales episode where uh, John had asked Hannah what were some of her favorite characters she's played. And she was talking about how among her three sort of archetypes that she enjoys playing, one of them is a cat folk barbarian. And you know where you can play a cat folk barbarian? An awesome one? Pathfinder. They totally have cat folks. They totally have barbarians. Perfect fit. And John, I've been having a blast sharing the Pathfinder versions of monsters with those two on their friend or foe Fridays. And yeah, I don't know, man. It's just something that popped into my head uh, this morning or last night when I, whenever I was listening to that episode. I was like, dude, that would be so fun. John, Hannah, Jason, and then maybe one or two other people. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know if that'll ever happen. I don't know if I'll have time for it. I don't know if anyone would be interested. But it was just something that popped into my head. So thank you for the well wishes, Jason. And now I'm going to talk about a thing that happened to me. You know, that thing that a lot of DMs run into, or at least I run into it often, is when the session ends and over the week, you're thinking about the next session. And early on in the week, you come up with a cool idea. And all of a sudden, you really need to play. Anyway, let's talk about that. You know that feeling when you come up with something really cool for your next session of the game you're going to run. But that session isn't for you know, three or four more days and you're just like, I really want to play it. But then that gives you a whole lot of time to think about, oh, wait, is this really all that cool? <laughs> Are they going to think it fucking sucks? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I just had that. I, I, I came up with something neat that got me all excited the other day when I was thinking about my game prepping for uh, Saturday's session. And yeah, so I got it written down. I got everything all set, and so now I just have to sit on it until Saturday and think about how lame it actually all is. <laughs> but fear not, I am intrepid. I will throw it out there anyway, and if they don't like it, they can pretend to like it. <laughs> I can't talk about it now. I'm just recording this uh, section a couple days before the game. As I'm recording, it is Thursday morning. Uh, the game is Saturday morning. So, yeah, because a couple of my players listen to this show and players are just filthy, filthy cheaters. Trust me, I know I am one. <laughs> um, I will talk about it more later. You know, this probably won't come out until after the game. So, yeah, I guess I could talk about it now. 
if I'm not going to release it till later, but I'm not because we'll see what happens. I don't know. Okay, so that's it. Nice. So just finished a couple hours ago playing session number two of my, uh, you know, low fantasy mini campaign that I'm running using a heavily modified Pathfinder first edition as the uh, rule set. And it was awesome. It was pretty much the polar opposite of last week. Last week, uh, two thirds of the session was a combat, a huge combat between, you know, the five PCs, 12 bad guys and, you know, 10 or 12 NPCs. And it took forever. And that was pretty much the whole thing. This week we are down a PC because one of the players can only be uh, can only be with us every other week because they rule and they're a nurse and they work in a crazy, high stress, dangerous environment and they're amazing. So just having them, you know, once every other week, it's like, oh, fuck, yeah. Anyway, so started it off. With a dream sequence, a dream scene for each one of the PCs. They each had a dream wherein a specific object was sort of featured. And they each heard a different type of rhyme, like a little nursery rhyme. I came up with one for each of the different PCs, including the one who was not there. Uh, she got hers, so... Anyway, I love doing that stuff. I don't know about you guys. Uh, do you do you do poetry? <laughs> do you do poetry as part of your games? Because in several of my campaigns, I have busted out with some rhyming verse, some fairy tale style nursery rhyme flavored. Um, these were definitely like sing-songy nursery rhyme types uh, poems, you know, A-B-B-A or whatever, A-B-A-B-A-B uh, for the rhyme scheme. And I just love that shit. Like the one I came up with, I, I came up with all of them, but the one that stands out the most clear is, uh, it goes, how does it go? Swathe thy flesh in crimson fire. Pyres burn for heart's desire. When all is lost, no place to turn. Fear thee not, for all things burn. That one's hard. I love that one. That's more one of the more darker ones. That accompanied a dream sequence <clears throat> where the sorcerer who shoots fire out of her hands. She had a dream of a young girl being led to a pyre while a bunch of villagers chanted, burn the witch, burn the witch. And then crazy shit happened. And then more crazy shit happened where this gross ass skeleton came out of the woods, holding this red dress, offering it to the sorceress. And then she woke up uh, and all the players woke up at the same time to a scream <clears throat> somewhere in the night outside of the inn, the inn at the end of the world where they're staying. They all rented a suite. Uh, the cleric, Rosie, she has a lot of money. <clears throat> she, excuse me, she comes from a rich noble family back in the capital city of Dawn. 
Um, and so she had paid for a suite, a series of rooms in this hotel. Uh, it's an inn, not a hotel. <laughs> but so they were all staying together. They woke up and they were going to investigate, right? You hear a scream in the night. You're a bunch of plucky young adventurers. And I do mean young. Three of the 16 characters, or <laughs> three of the five characters are 16 years old-ish in that mid-teen range. The other two, I'm not sure how old they are. We haven't really discussed it yet, but the, uh, the cleric, the fighter, and the sorcerer are all right around 15, 16, 17 years old. And so they hear a scream in the middle of the night. They go to investigate uh, the sorcerer. Millie, she gets out of bed to get ready to go, and she realizes her feet are muddy, <clears throat> super muddy. Mud's covering her feet and her ankles and stuff. They go outside, it's raining and all muddy. So, hmm, what is that about? They go to where the commotion is. It's a circle of guards around a body. Uh, Marcin, the rogue, sneaks over there rolls lights out on his perception check. So he gets a good view of the body and it's a woman and her face has been burned off and she's got a single stab wound in her chest. Like everything shoulders and above whoosh dude, like somebody fucking sprayed her with a flamethrower or something. And then a single stab wound in her chest. She was found in the, um, Nighttime garden in back of the church of Pazuzu. Uh, may the demon wind blow the evil away from you. Uh, <laughs> that's their saying, their holy saying. You know, it's like saying, you know, peace be with you. It's the same diff, same diff. So they found, <clears throat> they found the body there. Watch Captain Matilda was there which I think I mentioned last time I used Grace Jones, but they, they found a few more pictures, which these ones in particular, Jason from nerds, RPG variety cast helped me find. And they were awesome. <laughs> they were awesome. So they ended up meeting blood father Fintain, who is the head priest of the church of Pazuzu. And the picture that Jason got for me for him was an old Peter Falk. <laughs> amazing because yeah he is the high priest the blood father of the church of pazuzu but the church has mellowed out it is not all about human sacrifice and murder and cannibalism anymore it's about serving the public and being you know a church and he's this perfectly nice old man who was the last person to see the victim alive um her name was Eleanor. She was in the garden tending to the orchids. He was inside of the rectory or whatever, setting up for tomorrow's mass. There was a big flash of light and a scream. He ran out. She was dead. He saw a strange figure leap over a wall and it was dark. The moon was covered by clouds. So all he could make out was it looked like the figure had on a top hat, maybe, and a coat with tails and it could just jump really high. And I don't know, maybe some folks that listen to this show might have an idea of where I'm going with that. Because I know on a certain episode of a former podcast named after a certain colored 
worm-like monster, they mentioned this thing. Um, but anyway, so that's all he saw. And yeah, so it's <laughs> because, so I got to rewind a little bit. When Millie, the sorcerer, found out that this poor woman had been burned and stabbed. So first I said she was burned and Millie's like, "Uh oh, because her feet were all muddy. She was obviously out walking around when she thought she was asleep and she does have fire magic. And so she was like, "Uh oh. And then when Marcin, the rogue, spotted the stab wound, too, Millie has a knife. Millie carries a dagger around. She looked at the dagger, and there's a spot on there. It's probably a rust spot. You know, it's probably just a rust spot. No big deal. But so when she heard about this other creature, this other figure that they saw, and they also heard that about three days ago, there was another similar murder. Uh, Millie felt a lot better. I, I don't know that she's totally off the hook yet, but she feels better. She's pretty sure she didn't kill this woman, but I don't know. We'll see. Because, um, you know, a long dress could look like coattails, so I don't know. But <laughs> it was really fun. The players spent all the whole session investigating this murder. I know we did an investigation in a fantasy game. Holy shit, it's impossible to do. Um, yeah, no, we did it and it was awesome. They spent a lot of time getting to know each other, um, cause they didn't get a chance to do that really last session. We got a chance to see, you know, just kind of get a feel for what these characters are like during a regular, a regular day. I mean, granted they're investigating a weird murder and talking to the high priest of a demon church, but you know, regular day in fantasy land. Um, so yeah, for a minute there, Bartholomew, our fighter, he went out back behind the inn at the end of the world to do some practice, get a workout in. He was doing push-ups and sit-ups and pull-ups, like totally Rocky Four style, running with a log on his shoulders, probably. Uh, and then when he looked up from a set of push-ups, he saw Modon. The picture I use for him is Will Chamberlain from Conan. <laughs> with his big horned helmet and shit. So Modon was stoked to see a young, a young fighter up and coming, working out, trying to get, you know, trying to improve himself. Modon's all about that shit. He loved it. Um, they decided to spar a little bit, uh, fought till the first fall. So, you know, it went back and forth for a while. We only did it on one roll, but in reality, they were going back and forth, back and forth. And then Bartholomew got a shot in, tried to sweep the legs. Modon jumped over it. And when he landed, he came around with his hammer and whoom, took out the legs of Bartholomew, helped him up, patted him on the back. It was, it was all in good fun, just good training. And yeah, you know, we, it was a really, I enjoyed the session. I like when players have a chance to kind of run with their characters and see what they're like so all in all it was really cool i thought the dream scenes were really fun it's a maybe a hint of things to come uh maybe sort of prophetic visions i don't know um yeah i'm saying i'm a lot i apologize but 
that's it. It was a good session, three hours. I'm running a pretty strict three hours. Like we end at one o'clock p.m. Western time, uh, West Coast USA time. That is, what is that? That's 11, 8, I don't know. Anyway, Jules plays and she's in New Zealand. So it starts at 7 a.m. for her. So good for her for being being plucky and ready to go that early in the morning. I know some of you guys play at crazy times, but yeah, that's not me. <laughs> anyway, great session. Uh, things are going really well. Uh, I leveled them all up to second. So I told them they could even either have the average hit points for their class plus their constitution modifier, or they could roll their hit dice plus their constitution modifier. And uh, they ended up rolling and two out of the five rolled ones. Somebody else rolled a three. Yeah, it was bad. (laughs) It was bad. But, you know, that's the way it goes. Live fast, die hard, you know. Roll free or die. Anyway, great session. Super looking forward to the next one. We're now two sessions into this 10 to 12 session long campaign. And they just got, you know, a sort of big hook. They also have the hook that the village was attacked by rippers for the first time they found out today for the first time in decades more than 30 years because that's how long watch captain matilda has been here and there hasn't been an attack in her whole tenure of service so they know that they know there's been two murders in the town where both victims were burned and stabbed uh yeah the first victim both were also women walking alone at or working alone at night. And that that's where we're that's where we left it. The the characters were in the garden of the church of Pazuzu. Um there were a lot of puns. A lot of puns. The the one that stands out most for me, I thought it was really good. Uh so the Bloodfather Fintain, he had a little helper priest whose name was Seraph. Uh, and Seraph was going to show the PCs out to the garden and kind of give them the rundown of the history of the world because none of the PCs have any ranks in knowledge religion. So none of them know anything about the church. None of them know anything really about the history of the world much. They all either grew up sheltered as a noble or uh kind of in a small town like a super small like farming village maybe not even a village maybe just one lone farmstead uh one was an orphan we don't know much about marcin the rogue's past yet but that's pretty standard for a rogue and so seraph was kind of showing him around and things weren't going super hot Because basically, these guys walked into the Catholic Church and started talking about how, eh, you know, Catholic Church ain't so good. (laughs) It's basically it. Even though the altar of this church is a giant horned devil that everyone, moms with their kids and their husbands are all in there uh, saying prayers. It's awesome. I love it. It's basically, like I said, if, if the Church of Satanism 
was as big during medieval times as the Catholic church, <laughs> like equally as big, what would it be like? And yeah, man, there'd be a lot of people there for sure. And it is, it's right next door to the church of Aramid, which is, you know, the lady of sorrows. Uh, that's the less demony church, <laughs> but they, they haven't gone over there yet. The players haven't been there to check it out. But anyway, sorry, the pun, the pun. So they're with Seraph and Marcin, the rogue goes, okay, cool. Like we appreciate the help, but is there any way we could do this sans Seraph? And holy shit, that was genius. <laughs> that was really, really good. Sans Seraph. Like, if you don't love puns, you have to love that. That is a perfect pun that I did not see coming at all. So cheers to you, Marcin. Great work on that one. <laughs> anyway, yeah, enough of me rambling about my session. It was dope. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, I talk a little bit about Pathfinder later, or maybe I already did. I don't know how I'm going to arrange this yet. But yeah, so... I'm going to talk about Pathfinder now and then close out. All right, so let's talk about when I say Pathfinder, you know that I mean Rise of the Rune Lords. Let's talk about that, yeah. I won't talk about it too much because I said in my new season, I won't talk about Rise of the Rune Lords that much, but I do, you know, I, I played a new character uh, yesterday, last session, because it didn't make sense in the fiction of the game for my character to stay as part of that group since the cleric died because he was tied to the cleric. They were best friends. The only reason Alistair was there was because Jericho was having dreams about going there. So once Jericho was dead and murdered by a member of his own party, he's like, peace out. So he took Jericho's body, um, teleported, <clears throat> went through the portal out of the dimension that we were trapped in because we had already found the exit out of this dimension. We just wanted to be explorers and clear out this whole dungeon instead of just going straight, straight to book six. So had we gone straight to book six, you know, we'd still be alive. But anyway, so teleported out of the crazy dimension that we were trapped in, went up to the top of a mountain, burned Jericho Wildfire's body because Jericho Wildfire was a fire cleric, and then flew off into the sunset on his rad fucking dragon wings. And it was super heavy metal. <coughs> but my new guy coming back into the game his name is Dion Farmer and he is the half brother to Leon Farmer and Leon came to him in a dream his ghost and was like oh hey brother uh, yeah so I'm dead and I'm up in heaven killing demons and it rules but uh there's some unfinished work for you to do uh yeah so <laughs> it, it's kind of funny because there's only one character from when I first started this game and actually from when the campaign first started that's still in the game and that is Dash Steelhand the Thief the rogue I mean um 
And because the dungeon master resurrected him several times through the resurrection spell, uh, he's still Dash. He just happens to be a bugbear now instead of a halfling. But he is the only through line in this whole campaign. And so sort of unbeknownst to all the other three of us, when we were making our characters, we all kind of tied it to Dash a little bit. Like I'm playing the brother, the half brother of Leon Farmer. So he knows Dash. Um, Woody is playing. God, Woody comes up with the best fucking names. Yazzie Wonderfoot. <laughs> the halfling paladin, man. Yazzie Wonderfoot. Ah, that's such a fucking awesome name. Uh, and so how Yazzie gets into the scene is that Desna, who is the god that Dash used to worship and then sort of rejected, then went back to, uh, Desna had told Yazi, hey, there's this guy who needs some protection, uh, maybe a little guiding hand to get back into the flock, go find him and help him out. And so <clears throat> that was cool. And then the third guy, Johnny, is playing a character who I actually never met. He was a member of the party before I joined uh, he was one of, I think he was like the dungeon master's brother-in-law or something that eventually got kicked out because <laughs> our dungeon master is hardcore and she'll kick out goddamn family members if they can't show up regularly. I love that. <laughs> that fucking rules, Jay. But so, yes, so Johnny is picking up the character that was played by another player named Legend because Legend totally had a thing for Dash and <coughs> thought Dash was his like manager basically. And so it's kind of cool that we all came up. I mean, it's also sort of obvious that that's how it would work anyway, but I don't know. I just thought it was kind of rad that everyone sort of tied their characters to the only character that's been here the whole time. And it was fun. But so my cleric, that's great. You know, he's a 14th level cleric. Yeah, he can cast some spells and channel some energy and do some healing and shit. Awesome. Great. I decided to go archer this time because I've never played a Pathfinder archer before. And holy fucking shit. They are fucking nuts. <laughs> Sorry, I'm swearing more than normal, but they are insanity. With just a few feats, it doesn't. I'm not even a fighter, right? I'm not even ultra specialized in the bow, but between the buffs I can cast on myself and two feats in particular a feat called Rapid Shot and a feat called Mini Shot. And so, Rapid Shot gives you an extra attack, but all of your attacks get a minus two. Okay, minus two is no big deal for an extra attack all day. Mini Shot lets you, on your first attack, you actually shoot two arrows instead of just one. So you put two arrows on the string and shoot it. We've all seen YouTube videos of people doing that. It's fucking crazy. So now, as a cleric at 14th level, normally I'd be getting two attacks per round. You know, fighters and paladins and people with full uh, base attack bonuses, which is the pathfinder thing on how good you are at attacking at this level, they're getting three attacks, but with rapid shot and many shot, I'm basically getting 
five attacks. I'm shooting five arrows per round. And then, so that's already insanity. And then there's a spell called Divine Power, which not only does it give me bonuses to hit and some temporary hit points, it also gives me an extra attack at my highest base attack bonus. So now I'm shooting six arrows around when I'm fully buffed and just dealing ungodly amounts of damage. And so... We fought the big bad of the dungeon section that we were in, and he's this crazy conjurer that was sitting in a floating throne that was actually held in place. It was floating there because it was held up by two immovable rods, which I thought was a really cool touch. It was floating over this giant, gross slime pit. And uh, so on the first round of combat, I, I rolled like shit for initiative, so I go towards the end. Everyone kind of starts trying to figure out how they're going to get to him. Uh, he, the big bad, is summoning crazy fucking summon monsters and stuff to fight the party. I'm way in the back down this hallway still. And on my first turn, I cast Divine Power. And I'm like, okay. And so nothing happens. So the Dungeon Master sort of forgets about me, as you do, because she's having to control hella monsters now, right? Like, this summoner can summon a couple different monsters at once. So now there's a bunch of bad guys on the board. Um, turns are, you know, it's taken a while to get back to my turn. So we get back to my turn. And I was like, okay, cool, my turn. Boom. <laughs> 90 something, like 95 points of damage. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I thought, I thought then, I was like, I hope she moves that wizard because I have a straight line on him. So in Pathfinder, you can take a full attack action, uh, which lets you get off all of your attacks, but then you can't also move. I mean, you could take a five foot step, but you can't move any more than that. So if the main big bad guy had just moved out of my direct line of sight, I would have had to move to get to him, so I would have only been able to fire once in a round. But because his cool floating chair was held over the slime pit by immovable rods, it wasn't going anywhere. So, like, it was a really cool design idea that Paizo had to do that because it made it hard. You couldn't just gang up on him with melee guys, right? But at the same time, if you have any range fighters in the party, it's... Yeah, it's it's target practice. And so did 90 something points of damage to him on his on my first round. And then the next round comes, you know, the turn goes by his monsters are attacking the party, but I'm way back in this hallway, so they can't really even get to me. And then, yeah, next round comes and I ended up critting one of my six shots and did like 130 points of damage on the next one. And that was game over. <laughs> And as soon as he died, all of his summon creatures vanished away. And yeah, so I just wanted to say Pathfinder Archers, insane, man. They are crazy. If you're playing a fighter that gets a bunch of extra feats all the time, you can get that good super fast. Like, yeah, you can be dishing out like a human fighter, for instance. First level... You could take point-blank shot, precise shot, and rapid shot. And then you're getting two attacks per round at first level, which is nuts. That's crazy. Normally, a fighter wouldn't get two attacks per round until fifth level, maybe even sixth level. 
I think sixth level. Yeah. Might be fifth. Anyway, I can't remember. But still, so much earlier. And then you can throw many shot on there eventually and just get an extra arrow. every. If your first attack hits, two arrows hit. It rules. Pathfinder archers all the way. Uh, yeah, so that's that's it for this section on Rise of the Rune Lords. <laughs> Sorry. We're almost done with book five. We'll finish it next session and probably. And then, yeah, maybe I won't talk about it again until we finish the campaign. But probably not because I'll probably end up playing a different character. And then I'll have to talk about that. <laughs> All right. Next. Some corrections. <laughs> After listening back. Uh, so I only get. Five attacks. Anyone doing the math out there was probably screaming, that only equals five. <laughs> Not six. Divine power. So I get two. I shoot two arrows on my first shot. I shoot a second shot. And then I have rapid shot after that. So that's four right there. Divine power then gives me a fifth attack. So not six, five. And also fighters get their second attack at six level, not fifth. I just wanted to be sure because uh, I was sort of waffling there. But, yeah, six level. Uh, so there. Yeah, that's it. All right. Back to the thing that we're doing. Yay! All right. All right. That's enough for me. Enough for me. But seriously, folks, do you use poetry, little stories to give to players when you're running games in world stuff I'm talking about? Um in one campaign, I wrote this crazy poem and I tried to frame it like it was a verbally passed down story with a lot of patterns, uh, very set kind of sibilance and meter to it. You know, something easy for people to remember and be able to recite. I did that once and then... Today, like I said, in the dreams, they all have these little kind of fairy tale nursery rhyme type little sonnets or whatever you want to call them that were really fun. So do you all do that? Also, do you use dream sequences? Because I love using dream sequences and I busted them out and I think they're really fun. So let me know if you use those because I think they're fun. Also, thank you to Liren from Updates from the Middle of Nowhere and to Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast for the calls. That's super dope. And until next time, folks, peace out. He'll save every one of us. I know I ask a lot of you this episode, listeners, but that's just because I care. I know you can do it. I have faith in you. I ask you all types of questions about what you think about certain things. But, you know, I know you can do it. I know you can. Because, goddammit, you're smart enough. Ah, fuck, I forget the Stuart Smalley line. And gosh darn it, people like me. How's it go? How's that go? There's another question for you. <laughs> oh.